Hello, hello, good morning. How are you guys today? I'm glad to hear it. Hey, as you go back to your seat, I want you to do something for me. Um, I want you to look at someone who's not with you, so not a family member, someone that you're not sitting with. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't. And I want you to look over them and find one thing to compliment. I want you to compliment their shoes, their hair, something like that. Look around, spend a couple moments doing that. Is everyone nice and encouraged now? Those people that are just coming in, uh, I want you to find one person, I want you to find one person that you're not sitting with today, that you didn't come here with today, and give them a compliment. Savannah, give someone a compliment. There we go. There it is. All right, uh, before I get started today, as Jacqueline said earlier, uh, I am filling in for Pastor Travis. No, we are not pastored by a 19-year-old, thank goodness. Um, but I, I'm filling in today for my father, Pastor Travis Hurst. And hey, growing up in a pastor's household, I kind of had this unique perspective growing up. I get to see the side of things that no one else gets to see. I get to see the daily grind of being a pastor. Uh, let me tell you something about Pastor Travis. He fights for you every single day. He prays for you every single day. He believes in you more than you know. Each and every person in this room, my, my father, my pastor prays for on a daily basis. And he believes in you and he wants the very, very best for you. So what I want you to do is next week when he returns from a well-deserved vacation, uh, whenever he's all red and sunburnt, I want you to walk up to him and I want you to say to him, Pastor Travis, I appreciate you. Because I know that would mean the world to him. As someone who sits with him every day, I know that would mean the world to him. So what I want you to do is, I want you to say, Pastor Travis, right now, Pastor Travis, Pastor Travis I, appreciate I appreciate you. Shake his hand, say that to him, it'll make his day. I think it's very important as a church, we honor our senior pastor. It's not just because he's my dad. No matter where I go in life, no matter where I move to, no matter what, if I ever get the opportunity to speak, I will always take an opportunity because we have so few and so little to honor our senior pastor and our leadership. So make sure that you do the same thing because it's very important because God has appointed him. Amen? All right, well, a little bit about me. My name is Baylor Hurst. I am a student at OU. Boomer. I'm a little bit ashamed of the uh, OU fans in the room. Whenever I said Boomer, you'd... Guys, I'm a very feedbacky person. You're gonna have to give me something. So Boomer? That's more like it. Thank you so much. Listen, we don't talk about the ugly little brother of OU whenever I'm on stage. Uh, I run Growth Track here. I serve as the Growth Track Coordinator. Hey, if you don't know, raise your hand if you know what Growth Track is. Okay, so some people don't. Let me break it down for you. Growth Track is the best way to get connected to Faithco. In fact, we kind of make it the only way because it's so important. What it is, three Sundays in a month, you show, up to, you show up, you come to first service, you go to second service in the living room where we have growth track. You're gonna learn about, all about our church's core beliefs because it's very important that you know our core beliefs before you make this place your home. You also learn about your own spiritual gifts and we get you plugged in. We give you real experiences in serving so that you can find the best place for you. It's the best way to get connected at Faith Co. I love doing it. Whenever the opportunity arose to, to run growth track, I said, sign me up because I'm so passionate about getting people connected. And none of the other ministry leaders will tell you this, but it's the most important ministry here. In my opinion, in my opinion. 
All right, well, one more thing about me is I wanted to speak today. I wanted to speak today because it's the Sunday before my favorite holiday, the 4th of July. It is Ronald's birthday, but that's not what's important. (laughs) It is Ronald's birthday, but that's not what's important. Um, And it's not because of the barbecue, although I do love that. It's not because of the popping off of fireworks. It's not about going to the lake, though I will be at the lake this week with my little puppy. We're going to enjoy the lake. He's going to be afraid of water. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. My favorite holiday is the 4th of July because it's my favorite event in history. It's, it's, It's the time when our country declared, fought for, and won its freedom. And the beginning of what I believe to be the greatest country ever was established. I'm very passionate about the 4th of July because it's the first step in America becoming what it is today. So I really wanted to speak today and I'm super excited to speak on the 4th of July because it covers my, my favorite subject matter. And in spirit of the 4th of July, I'm gonna tell you a little bit to open. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my favorite historical figure in Alexander Hamilton. So Alexander Hamilton, well, my knowledge of Alexander Hamilton was very limited up until a few years ago, because I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but he kind of got swept by the wayside for the likes of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, but he was very instrumental in establishing our country and and our country's freedom and the way we work. And there's a reason for that. Thomas Jefferson's enemies tarnished his reputation, talked bad of him, basically buried his legacy. And up until a few years ago, Hamilton just got a couple cameos in our history books. But in 2012, the smash Broadway hit Hamilton came out. How many of you guys have heard of this play? In some capacity, you've heard of Hamilton. It's the biggest musical ever. It's sweeping the nation. It's touring all over the United States and London. Um, I heard about that. I was like, I'm going to go to the Civic Center, and I'm going to watch it. And then I figured out that cheap seats were $500 a pop. And I said, okay, I'll settle for the soundtrack for now. (laughs) So I listened to the soundtrack, and I was just blown away by this man. He was a misunderstood genius. He was a romantic. So of course I related. He was the greatest writer, in my opinion, who ever walked the face of the earth. This guy created, as the musical says, palaces out of paragraphs. And he's my personal hero. I'll just tell you a little bit about him. And this is what I, I mean, I learned this because after listening to the musical, I forgot what I was going to say, by the way, that I got a little bit mixed up there. But I, I bought his, so after listening to the musical, I was like, man, there's no way all this could be true about one man. So I bought the biography, I I read it, and page after page, I was amazed by what they even didn't put in the musical. Um, Page after page, I was amazed by his accomplishments and attributes. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Alexander Hamilton was an orphan from the Caribbean island of Nevis. He immigrated here. The story of his immigration is very amazing. Uh, He grew up in that town. He was an orphan. And he wrote a lot there. Uh, And eventually, people started to hear about him. And people that he didn't even know raised money to send him over to America, over to New York, to get his education. While he was here... Well, whenever he came over to America, he was George Washington's most trusted ally and right-hand man during and after the Revolutionary War. In the Battle of Yorktown, he commanded an infantry, and Hamilton wrote 51, 51 of the 85 essays entitled The Federalist Papers, and those were designed to defend our Constitution, which was largely opposed at the time. 
Without his writings, our Constitution would not have been ratified, and it would have looked a lot, lot different. As our first Treasury Secretary under George Washington, Hamilton created our economic and banking system, which fixed a system that was in shambles after the Revolutionary War. He was a commanding general of the U.S. Army under President Adams, and in 1785, Hamilton formed the New York Manumission Society, an organization dedicated to ending slavery in New York, 40 years before the abolition movement of the 1830s. Hamilton spent his entire life fighting and surrounded by freedom, but he never experienced it in his personal life. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Hamilton basically was key, was a part of the group that established a free nation. But he was a slave to his own decisions and his own flaws. An affair with a married woman while his wife was away tarnished his reputation and kept him from what I believe would be the greatest presidency that our country has ever seen. His pride cost him his life in a duel with Aaron Burr later in his life. Hamilton spent his entire life surrounded by and gaining freedom for other people, but he never experienced it personally. Today I'm going to talk to you about freedom. I'm going to tell you how to fight for it in your life and how to have a different story than my personal hero, Alexander Hamilton. If you're taking notes, the name of this message is Fight for Your Freedom. Father in heaven, thank you for today. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for allowing us to live in this great, great country, this free country. Thank you for the freedom that you give us. I pray that as I speak today, you speak through me. You you have me say what I need to say to minister to your people and that we all grow a little bit as a result of today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. amen. So what I'm gonna do today is I'm going to attempt to create a direct parallel between our country's journey to freedom and our own personal journey to freedom. So in order to be free, in order to start that process, it starts with a declaration of independence. Your words have power. More than you know, your words have power. James 3 and 4 to 5 says, Look at these ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Have you guys ever heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Only two people have ever heard that phrase? Okay, okay. Gosh, we were about to have a discussion. Um, I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you and tell them that they've been lying to their kids. Because let me tell you something, not only is that phrase a lie, it's anti-biblical. It goes against what the scripture says. Let me tell you what I mean. You see, the Bible says that your words are so powerful that eternity hangs in them. In Romans 10 and 9 to 10, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. With the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Somebody say, with the mouth. With the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Read that and tell me words are just cannon fodder. Tell me that words don't mean anything because God disagrees. Your words have eternity in them. 
Your words matter. The things that you choose to say matter. And our journey to freedom is directly tied into those words. When our country declared its freedom, the journey had begun. They were no longer subjects of Great Britain, but they were truly an American. They were truly Americans. And in that same way, when you give your life to Christ, by definition, you are free right then and there. You're no longer subjects of the enemy. And that's amazing, but that doesn't mean the rest of your life is going to be flowers and unicorns and sunshine. That doesn't mean life is going to be easy. I'm sorry. By definition, you're free. Sure. But you might not experience personal freedom because, and I think of, I think of my favorite show ever whenever I talk about this, The Office. You guys watch The Office? It's the greatest show ever. Don't at me. But it's, it's this incredible show. And there's one episode where the great Michael Scott, the manager, uh, he runs into the room and he's penniless, he's in debt, he doesn't know what he's, you know what, I'll just show you. I declare bankruptcy! And then of course everyone just sits there like you guys did. <laughs> what? What? A few minutes later, he's in his office and his accountant comes in and he says, Michael, I just wanted you to know that you can't just say bankruptcy and expect anything to happen. At the time, Michael was absolutely bankrupt. He had no money to his name. But listen to this. After a declaration, you have to act. Every declaration requires an action. Because after your declaration comes a revolution. Let me tell you something, right here, right now, when you give your life to Christ, when you say that prayer and accept him into your heart, you're stepping into a war zone, a war zone you didn't know about five minutes ago. It's not easy. It was never meant to be easy. You're stepping into a war In Ephesians 6 and 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The second that America declared its independence, we got prepared for war. Because you better believe that the British weren't having any of that. They poured time, resources and energy into getting us back. And let me, what do you think Satan's gonna do? The second that you give your life to Christ, he's gonna attack you and he's gonna attack you harder than you've ever been attacked. And do you know why? Because you just became a threat. You weren't a threat five minutes ago, but now you're on fire for God. So be ready. He's gonna attack you. Luckily, we have things that are a little bit better than guns and cannons and horses and bayonets to fight our war with. Here's what we have. In Hebrews 4 and 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I can't preach better than that. You know, I found that in every situation, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what hardship I'm facing, one simple truth remains. There is an answer in God's word. There is an answer in the Bible. And let me tell you something, because I think people get this twisted. The Bible was written a long time ago, but it was not just written for a long time ago. The Bible is just as relevant today as it was 300 years ago. 
talks of a different time, speaks about the same principles. Constantly use it. It is your war manual. It's not just reading material, guys. It's your instruction and war manual. So use it that way. In James, in James 5 and 16, it says the prayer of a righteous person is both powerful and effective. Talk to God. He's not just your general. He's not just your God. He's not just an authority figure. He's your father. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants to hear about your heart. He wants to see what you're going through. People all the time tell me, Baylor, I don't know how to pray. Man, we overcomplicate things. Talk. Have a conversation with God. You want to know what a prayer, what a prayer between me and God sounds like sometimes at the end of a day? God, today just sucked. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with this. Man, Susie Lou at work today, she was being so annoyed. I don't know how I'm supposed to deal with this, God. Man, you gotta do something because I don't have much going on here. Not, God, thank you for the food, amen. He's your father. He wants a relationship with you. Don't, obviously honor God, but also talk to him. Have a conversation with him. He already knows how you think and feel, but you gotta talk to him. You gotta have conversations with him. In Proverbs 27 and 17, it says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. And this one is huge. Guys, we weren't made to experience life alone. It is so, so important that you have relationships with people that can call you out when you do something wrong. It is so important that you have relationships with people that when you're going through something, they recognize it and they say, hey, what's going on? And this is for everyone. I don't, care if, I don't care if you're the strongest, toughest, most able person in this room. You need people. You need people around you. It's biblical, iron sharpens iron. You're not getting any sharper without anyone else. And that's why we have connect groups here. That's exactly why we have connect groups here. If you're not a part of that, I encourage you, grab that white connect card in the back of your seat, check the connect group thing, drop it in the offering, let someone contact you about it, and go for a month and tell me you don't grow. Tell me you don't receive accountability. And they just leave. But I'm telling you right now, that's not gonna happen. We have to have those iron sharpens iron relationships in our lives. Fellow warriors, you can't go into war alone. You need people around you. You need backup. You need the Calvary. Guys, if you fight the spiritual war with those three things, I can tell you something. I can promise, assure, guarantee, whatever word you want. You're not just gonna beat Satan with those three things, with prayer, with Bible reading, not just Bible reading, but Bible reading and using, and people around you, fellow warriors, you're not just gonna beat Satan, you're gonna humiliate him. It's not close. It was never close. But you know, even after the Revolutionary War, even after we got our Constitution ratified, even after all that, America was free by definition in that we weren't owned by another nation, but were the people in America truly free? Was America a free nation? And the answer to that, because that's a rhetorical question, is of course a resounding no. You see, America, the irony, America was doing exactly 
what had been done to it, except worse. We had taken all the necessary steps. We had declared our freedom. We had fought for it. We had had our revolution. We won the battle, and we were a free nation. But there was one glooming issue that contradicted everything America stood for in freedom, and that was our original and perhaps greatest sin as a nation, and that's slavery. The very thing that we fought to get rid of was now a key part of our country. This is a personal belief of mine. Um, Not everyone agrees with this. I think that everyone deals with one thing more than they deal with anything else. One particular sin that stays with us our entire lives and that we constantly have to fight against. For America, America, uh, it was slavery. And the Greeks believed in this principle. They called it a fatal flaw. A flaw that is so glaring, that is so much a part of you, that if you let it, it'll take hold and destroy you, whether it be in your personal life, or whether it be literally killing you, literally getting you killed. And it's something that I believe in. So for America, it was slavery. For me, it was always my temper. Growing up, I was an easy target for bullies. Uh, I was passionate. I gave them the exact reaction that they wanted. I would scream. I would fight. I would kick. I would do whatever. It was hilarious. I'll be the first one to say it. It was funny, the way that I reacted when I got bullied. And as I got older and more mature, I got a hold of it, or so I thought. Over the last few years, I've really started to take inventory of who I am as a person. And one thing that I noticed, especially the, se- the summer before my senior year of high school, was that nobody wanted to be around me. My friends avoided me. My family was around, but I mean, they're family. They have to be there, you know what I mean? And I mean, I, I didn't get it. I mean, I don't think I smell bad. I can tell a funny joke every now and then. I'm not quiet or boring, that's for sure. And man, am I handsome. (laughs) But, I mean, nobody wanted to be around me, and I couldn't figure it out. And I had a wake-up call. I think God uses wake-up calls in our lives. I had a wake-up call, and I remember this night. It was one particular night. It was the day before my birthday. It's the 20th of this month, if you want to get me anything. But it was the day before my birthday, and I don't remember what it was about, if I'm honest with you, but my sister and I got, hi Savannah, my sister and I got in the biggest argument that we have ever gotten to in our entire lives. It was intense, and let me tell you, I destroyed her. (laughs) I won, I out-debated her, it wasn't even close. She would never tell you that, of course, but. And I I went to bed that night, a little chip in my step. I was cocky about it. I laid down, and after a few minutes, I got this gnawing feeling, like something's wrong. I was like, just ignore it. I, after about an hour of that feeling, I just kind of fell asleep. I woke up the next day on my birthday, and my birthday is my favorite day of the year, by the way. It's my favorite holiday. And I was walking around all day with that same feeling in my gut, like, not right, not right, not right, not right. Baylor, it's your birthday. You won the debate. And then I think God also does this, there's a phrase in my head. At what cost? You see, in the process of winning, I had hurt the person I care most about in this world in Savannah. And luckily, we have a great relationship. But I had hurt her. At what cost? And you know, Satan will do that to you if you allow him to. He'll take your fatal flaw, whatever it is, 
He'll take it and he'll use it to not just destroy you. This is important, listen. To not just destroy you, but to hurt the people around you. To make you a repellent. And they aren't just being repelled from you. As a Christian, you represent God. You repel people from God when Satan gets a hold of your fatal flaw. Don't do that. Don't be Satan's tool. Don't do that to someone. And at that moment, the at what cost moment, it clicked for me. I hadn't gotten control of my timber. I just transferred it into a new outlet. My words. And as we found out today, words are a lot more powerful than we give them credit for. See, I wasn't truly free. Not for myself. I was free by definition. I'm a Christian and I'm an American. By definition, I'm free. But I wasn't free from myself. And in that very same way, America, sweet America, wasn't free, not from itself. Whenever this happens, whenever you face your fatal flaw, whenever you declare, whenever you revolt, whenever you fight and you finally win your freedom, but there's still something lingering there, that's when you make an amendment. In Hebrews 12 and 1, it says, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up slash our fatal flaw. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. What's that one thing in your life? Your Achilles heel, your fatal flaw. The one thing that if Satan gets a hold of in your life, he can use to not only destroy you, but the people around you. What's that thing? You might be thinking of it right now. You might go home tonight and think about it, but let me tell you, you need to figure out what it is because that's important. Figuring out what it is is the first step in solving it and fighting against it. Go home, pray, figure it out. Tell someone. Tell someone in your connect group. Tell your spouse. Tell, tell your accountability partner. It doesn't matter, but figure it out and fight it. And hear this. Let me tell you something. It's not gonna happen in a day. I still wrestle with my temper. I have to check myself every single day, and I mean every, that's not an exaggeration. Every single day, I have to take a deep breath. I have to say to myself, Baylor, control. Baylor, what are you about to do? Baylor, think before you speak, because your words have power. You never, you will always fight against that fatal flaw. The same way that America still deals with inequality, the same way that we still deal with the remnants and the repercussions of slavery, because we do, We still deal with it every single day. You can't, you have to fight against it every single day and you have to fight it actively. That's the only way to defeat a deep-rooted sin like that. You have to fight it every single day. You can't push it to the side. You can't ignore it. You can't act like it doesn't exist because it does. The same way, the same way that we still deal with the remnants of slavery, you'll still deal with that because it doesn't really go away. It's just something that you have to fight and you have to fight and you have to fight and you have to fight because it's a deep-rooted sin. Am I I making sense with that? Keep fighting against it every single day. After you declare a dependence, after after you have your revolution, after you make your amendments, guys, that's when you experience Freedom. In John 8 and 36, it says, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
Let me ask you something, and I'm going to close with this, guys. Do you feel free today? And I'm not just talking to people that are unsaved today. I'm talking to everyone in this room. Do you feel free today? In Philippians 4 and 12, it says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with a little. That verse was written by another personal hero of mine, the Apostle Paul. He spent the second half of his life writing two-thirds of the New Testament in prisons. And no, I didn't misspeak. He went from prison to prison to prison to prison to prison for sharing his faith. How does someone in a cage, can we get that verse back up? How does someone in a cage feel that free whenever there are people walking around in America enslaved? Let me tell you how. Freedom doesn't come externally. It comes internally. It comes from a relationship with Jesus. It comes from your own personal relationship with Jesus. That's where you find freedom. So I'm going to ask you again, do you feel free today? Do you feel that same kind of joy Do you feel like you could be in any situation, handle it, and be excited to be there? Or are you enslaved? Are you enslaved by your life, your job, porn, your temper, self-hatred, depression, anxiety? Are you enslaved today? Let me tell you something. It doesn't, and it shouldn't have to be that way. You were bought, purchased by someone else's sacrifice. Your freedom was purchased and won by someone else. But let me tell you something. You have to take that next step. God came down, was beaten and mocked by the very things he created in order to win your freedom. All he wants you to do All you have to do is have a declaration. A declaration of independence, if you will. If you you don't have that relationship with Jesus, or maybe you do and you still feel enslaved, we're gonna pray in just a minute. Open up your heart, soften your heart, be ready to hear from God. And if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, freedom really only comes from him. Come home today. Fight for your freedom and experience true peace. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning humbled, excited, whatever we're feeling, maybe inspired, I don't know. But there are people in this room, despite living in a free country, despite living in a country that is amazing and gives us the ability to chase life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, there are people that are walking around enslaved. And this prayer isn't just for those that are, that are unsaved. This is for people that have also given their life to Christ that feel that they're enslaved. If you're seated next to someone that you love, please take their hand. And we're gonna pray together. Father, I pray for each and every individual in this room. I don't know what people are going through. I don't know if they're addicted to porn. 
I don't know if, they, if they're dealing with depression. I don't know if they wake up every morning feeling miserable. What I do know is there's an answer and it's you. It's in your word. It's in praying with you and it's in the relationships around us. I pray that you give us breakthroughs where we need breakthroughs. I hope that you break chains where they need to be broken, Jesus. We love you so much and we thank you for your promise of freedom. This prayer is for the unsaved. People that can't even begin to experience true freedom because they haven't taken that first step. They haven't declared their independence. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've never said a prayer. Maybe you're sitting here today and you said a prayer a long time ago in a church, didn't know what it meant, turned away. Or maybe you were on fire for God, but you turned away. I don't know everyone's situation. What I do know is God wants you back. God wants you so much. He wants you to have a relationship with him and he wants you to experience that freedom. But you have to take that step. You have to declare your independence today. If that's you, if you're unsaved or you want to rededicate your life to Christ, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to have you come forward, but I need to know that there are people in here that are wanting to take that step. So if that's you this morning, just slip your hand in the air. I'm just going to give you a few moments. Thank you. I see you. All right, I don't know if I saw everyone, but God saw your hand, God saw your heart, and he's excited to establish a relationship with you today. And we're all excited for you because this is the best decision that you'll ever make. So we're all gonna pray together. Please repeat after me. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your promise of freedom. Thank you that by your blood I am saved. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made for me. Be my Lord and Savior, Jesus. I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, let's celebrate.